0: He was
1: Yeah, but that's a different thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they
2: yeah. did. Great. They both yeah. great. I love around chest. Are you sure? Oh. I didn't see that. Oh. <laughs> I could think about it. You
1: when does it always have to be a torture? I, know. I know. Oh,
2: oh, oh! I know what I
3: There we go. not done with my photo, not I just put it lamp, it <laughs> Well, green's a good put it in my it in
2: my photo. I put
3: it
1: Yeah, my photo. it DIY. this is the problem with video I sure is I <laughs> mean <Yeah, yeah.
4: laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite <laughs> work <laughs> I've always done it extra <laughs> wait so wait wait I need to check if one, one more thing works floppy, like, you
2: know, Jesus is like
4: Jesus, yeah, is God. God. Jesus, is like Jesus. Yeah, that might come on mm. it doesn't really work it's like supposed to but it, it,
2: it, it, it does work
4: we just keep this in the middle yeah it go
2: out Yes. Yeah. Wait, I just yeah. check
1: if one more thing is yeah, sure. working let
0: we, <laughs> 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 <then> the
5: <laughs>
4: we don't need all the lights, <laughs> no, awesome. Awesome. Let me put on the special
1: <laughs> lights for you. <laughs> 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 I can, like, a rose. <laughs> <up
4: the top. laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: You that we that's nice. the yeah. nice. Should you A little more yeah. All before six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs>
4: And you will. Well. So what does it have to do for me? Everything. It only, nothing, everything only. I just wanted to make sure
1: that I'm connected.
2: I'll just start talking. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, just. Thank you, everyone, for your patience with with setting up. It's going to be well worth it. Welcome (laughs) to the pop-up gallery performance slash talk. Thanks to Vanessa for contacting us. And please, Vanessa, uh, many of you know is, uh, you know, incredible uh, kind of gifts to conceptual literature. Uh, her curatorial practice is also really, really, um, I think, vital. And so, um, Vanessa. Natalia Fedorova is a Russian new media artist, writer, literary scholar, and translator. Natalia holds a Ph.D. in literary theory from Herzen State University in St. Petersburg. She has written numerous publications on avant-garde poetry, contentic poetry, concrete poetry, hyperfiction, literary text generators, and video poetry, and is a curator and creator of Video.Text Video Poetry Festival in St. Petersburg. From 2011-2012, Natalia was a Fulbright postdoctoral researcher at the Trope Tank, MIT, and is currently a Spire postdoctoral researcher with the CIP group at the University of Bergen in Norway, an editor with and new media writing column in the Ratafallax magazine, here. Natalia is the author of a hyperfiction piece with multiple endings, seven, and a book-mean novel, Madame Errassa, Butterfly, co-written with Sergiov, and a number of short prospect fragments. In collaboration with Taris Mashteller, she founded Machine Liberty and Media Poetry Project. Oh, I can show you a picture of Of Vanessa Place and Robert Fitterman's notes on conceptualisms, Mary Kelly said, I learned more about the impact of conceptualism on artists and writers than I had from reading so-called canonical works on the subject. And of course, notes on conceptualism. That us, uh, that's what happened. We say that. In uh, Kenneth Goldsmith has called Vanessa Place's work arguably the most challenging, complex, and controversial literature being made. written today. Ray Arbitraut has said Vanessa Place is writing terminal poetry. <laughs> <laughs> a leading practitioner yeah, yeah, <laughs> of conceptual poetry, Place is also a critic, criminal defense attorney, and co director of Lyftia Press. Place lectures and performance learning. Would you like to
4: be on the Internet? Yes, so please. Let's see what I can do for you. While they do that, I'm going to contextualize. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. I decide I if I should start big and go small or start small and go big. Start big small and go small. Big. Small and <laughs> <Small> big. Big and <laughs> small. I can start in the middle. I, I can keep everything in just mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which I will do now. So I small. met Natalia. This is the mediocre part. I met Natalia <laughs> Natalia at Brown. There was an event that was being co-sponsored by Brown and RISD on Uh-oh. electronic writing, and for some reason I had been invited. And when I saw all the presentations, Natalia's and um, Machine Libertine's uh, project was the most. It was just brilliant to me. I mean, it was it was complex, but it was elegant. It had all of these. The more I thought about it, the more complicated and great it became, and. What I realized, too, when looking at it was that I also knew that I didn't understand the half of it, which is that I am interested in global conceptual writing practices, and part of my interest lies in the fact that conceptualism in the United States is very young. Uh, Conceptualism in other places is even younger, and in still other places, much, much older. And this is a fact that I think a lot of people, even people who know about conceptual writing are ignorant of, that they don't realize that in places like Chile there's been conceptual writing since the 1970s, that in places like Mexico it's been 2008. And when I started to talk with Natalia and then ended up actually going to Petersburg earlier this year. What I realized is that in all of these things there's it's like a Venn diagram. There's little bits that overlap and then there's a great deal that's very separate. And in order like all art in order to begin to appreciate what I'm seeing or what I'm uh, engaged with, I always have to go deeper and understand as well the points of divergence as I think I understand the points of similarity. And with that said, what I found specifically, and Natalia this is what I believe she's going to speak more about now, is that in Russia there's um, a historical participation engagement with a kind of conceptual, I, wanna, I don't want to even say conceptual art, it's a conceptual aesthetic practice that text has always been an integral part of. And so the conceit that we have in the United States that there is a thing called conceptual writing and there's another thing called conceptual art is itself a a sort of ideological nationalist stance that I am happily always being uh, disabused of the more that I learn about these other practices. And then as I said recently to Natalia in an interview, the other part is that I think that from a critical stance, we go into places and we try to learn things and understand them in a deeper way, in a more nuanced way, in order to broaden our appreciation and critical faculty and our our sort of reception of the world. And then as a practitioner, of course, we go into things to see what we can steal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So hopefully you'll get a little bit of both. (laughs)
2: this.: <laughs> Thank you. Thank, nice you thank you,
1: Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Well, first of all, um, good evening, I'm um, very excited to be here. And um, thank you very much uh, to, um, uh, to the University of San Diego and to Vanessa for, for making that happen. Um, so uh, today I'm going to be talking about uh, the technologies of conceptualism. And I'll explain you why uh, I called uh, the talk uh, this particular way as a um, representative of uh, St Petersburg or uh, if we look at it in historical perspective uh, Leningrad culture. I wanted to make a, a statement that is connected uh, with, uh, with this particular practice uh, in in my native town in uh, St Petersburg or leningrad and for many years, um, the um, the critical discourse would stay uh, would state that there is no such thing as uh, as Leningrad conceptualism or as Saint Petersburg conceptualism, I'll call it whatever you like. So uh, you, uh, well, most of you or some of you or many of you uh, know about uh, Moscow uh, Moscow conceptualism, and uh, we could say that it's classic at at this point. So, uh, like, there is a bigger room in the uh, Hermitage 2021. Uh, the conceptualism, um, if we look at the short uh, short list of uh, contemporary art prize called innovation, like we have two conceptualist projects being nominated for it. One of them being Grosz's Symposium and the other one uh, being uh, uh, Yuri Albert's uh, conceptualism revisited in uh, in Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, so um, the answer that uh, would be given uh, to the question "What Leningrad conceptualism is?" the answer that I first thought was that uh, what what is done in Saint Petersburg uh, is that. Um, the conceptualism is borrowed and rethought with the help of technology. What do I mean by that? By that I mean uh, the practice of laboratory of poetic actionism. Uh, Laboratory of poetic actionism is a group of uh, young poets and video artists uh, who do uh, like very left direct uh, action art, and uh, they uh, do video poems Based on Andrei Monastyrsky, a prominent Moscow conceptualist, uh, and Vsevolod uh, Nikrasov. So here they use the technology of video uh, in order to work with uh, with conceptualism, and in order to uh, make conceptualism alive. Uh, the other mm, the other uh, project. Uh, which, is, uh, which works with uh, conceptualism is asceticism, uh, the project of uh, Ivan Heman, who is a new media artist, and he works with the abstract uh, symbols and letters and uh, archaic technology, uh, like as he called this, archaic printers um, to, to, to do conceptualist work. But uh, just several weeks beco- before coming here, uh, I meet two uh, wonderful people who are ca- are called, uh, who, called gr- uh, who call their group "Perpetual Mobile," and this is a nomadic. Um, is a group of uh, nomadic curators, um, Ivar Sklotsky and uh, Marita Mukanin. And you know what they uh, what they found? They found archive of Leningrad conceptualism. Would you believe that? No one even knew that it existed. And they found it in Berlin, and the person who was keeping it um, was Vladimir Van Kog, Semenov Van Kog, because he wanted to be associated with Van Gogh and Coca-Cola in the same, <laughs> in the same time. Uh, so, um, well, <laughs> so I'm going to be showing uh, laboratory poetic actionism work, asciatism work. And uh, one video of um, uh, from uh, and some pictures from this archive. But uh, as Vanessa started uh, with uh, the uh, the moment uh, when we met, when we got acquainted, uh, and um, if I talk about my own practice. Um, that is uh, also technologies of conceptualism and I work with video poetry. And uh, just to make it, um, to make the start more exciting, I would like to start it with a poem. And the poem that is very familiar to you on one hand, and I hope that uh, Machine Libertine project, which is um, my own and Taras' Mashtalir project, is going to make it a little bit estranged for you. Okay? So, uh, if I were in the auditorium of uh, Russians or someone who grew up in Russia, they would immediately understand uh, where the visuals come from. And the visuals come from a very, very famous cartoon, which, which is called Snow Queen, uh, done by Soyuz Film, 1958, uh, 1956. Um, and um, you can see that the visuals are. Uh, experienced uh, the influence of uh, cubism, Russian cubism, and well, not necessarily Russian uh, only. And uh, well, the um, the text is being pronounced by the text voice um, in built Macquie's uh, macOS mechanism, um, and this is Vicky voice. And the reason why we are uh, we we were using this, the uh, the. The aim of this was to uh, kind of to, to denounce, to, uh, to, decap- to decapitate uh, this masculine anger, uh, revenge poetry and hand it to uh, the feminine voice, which has no particular uh, bodily origin at the same time. Uh, well, if you have any any comments <laughs> or questions, you can you can interrupt me as I go. <laughs> okay, uh, so now I'm going to be back to the archive of uh, this uh, exciting find of uh, archive of Leningrad conceptualism, and uh, I'll briefly uh, briefly describe you what's what's in this archive and show one of the uh, eight millimeter films that were digitized by. Uh, Uh, by the Perpetual Mobility team of curators. Mm. We don't want that. (laughs) Excuse me. Okay. So, uh, this is approximately uh, 30 folders that are uh, collected uh, in, uh, in this uh, traditional Soviet bureaucratic manner. Uh, people who have been to Russia and recognize this, uh, there is a person who has been to Russia here who will probably recognize this folder that, that you can uh, still buy it at, uh, at any store. So it's called DELA or business or case. So it is combined of cases, approximately 30 cases. So this one uh, is case 12 and it's called uh, underground. So what the artists were doing uh, they were, uh, the group of artists, They were five of them, they uh, took a train and would travel to uh, any, any destinations and write their thoughts and uh, make, make designs. So they were doing many uh, actions uh, of that kind. They were walking uh, with the aquarium uh, in the underground, uh, suggesting that it is a gift um, gift to the underground. And aquarium is also a famous uh, band uh, of the 80s, like cult band of the 80s. So Boris Grigorievichov, the lead singer, uh, received the invitation for this action, where he certainly never showed up. Um, uh, the uh, other pro- uh, other work of theirs uh, is called "Exhibition," where the uh, artists who visited um, an exhibition uh, were asked to draw their uh, their impressions, as um, uh, to t- to draw their impressions instead of writing or telling them. So this archive uh, has been uh, discovered in 2009 and has been already part of. Aligned Realigned Art exhibition took, oh, that took place at empty space in Berlin and uh, Perestroika Art Archive exhibition that took place in Chiasma. Uh, well, let me show you the video. And before that, <laughs> uh, the, the music was put by curators. It is not the original, <laughs> but... Well, uh, you can let me know if you want to, to watch it without the music. Do you want it with the music or without the music? Yeah, I think it's more uh, dramatic with the music. And the moment that it is that it depicts is also quite dramatic. So you have probably noticed that it, the, the year uh, is 1988. And this is the year, um, this is the time of big change in Russia, and this is the time of Perestroika. But uh, for those who have a slight idea of uh, Russian history, uh, at that point, uh, Russia is... Um, the country with the economy of scarcity, what do I mean by that? To so buy literally anything, you need to stand online. And sometimes people would uh, would not even know what I, they are standing for online. So they would just see a crowd of people and join, just because if people are standing there, there, there must be something, something good that, that's being sold. That, that's why. So uh, let me show you. Uh, the, the video is called Flying, the queue. So this is Nevsky Prospect, and uh, this is cosmetic store. And here is the first associate of uh, of Semyonov. Uh, The woman is the second associate of his, so they work with the artist. And they form the line. See, look, look what's happening. People start joining them. And uh, there will be a clock uh, in the... um, uh, You will see the clock, and you will see that it's really not in a long time that that, that it happens, people are joining, joining, Mm -hmm. and they keep asking each other, uh, what is the line for, what is the line for, but no one knows, and still they're standing, and the time passes, they're standing and see the line is, oh, see, you can see the time, and then So according to Stadovsky it represents the collectivity. So this is the collective spirit. This is how it operates. (laughs)
2: Look,
1: there are lots of people. and here's the artist. he's going to show up with the white pole uh, <laughs> and uh, look what he is going to do he uh, he's going to approach to the lion and kind of decapitate it look two associates live and now uh, the lion doesn't have a head doesn't have an order uh, be- uh, not that it had more reason and order before but See now, people are lost. They they, they, they don't know what uh, they don't see the aim. They don't know what they are doing. And uh, like uh, if we contextualize it back uh, to to this historic period, so that was the time when individuality and privatization and uh, the whole collic- uh, collective unity of, of of the Soviet Union was destroyed. So we can look at it like that. Uh, so as we can see, uh, the um, Leningrad conceptualism was uh, working with the with the reality and with the language or working not with the but against the uh, reality and uh, the language of the uh, Soviet uh, bureaucracy and uh, the Soviet, um, Soviet uh, material reality uh, as well. Uh, if we look at the uh mm, at what uh conceptual uh, what people who work with conceptualism uh in today's uh Saint Petersburg work with uh they um mm, uh, their practice uh, is more <coughs> uh well it it it, it uh, works against the today's uh state and this new uh wave uh, um wave of, um, tot- n- well, you cannot really tol- uh, tot- n- call it totalitarian, but uh, authoritarian uh, changes uh, in the uh, in the present Russia. And um, they work with uh, direct actions and the protests and uh, just to put, uh, to draw a context of um, what uh, well you probably all heard uh, about the Kusiraya trial, and there was a severe reaction uh, in the artist world to, to this trial and one of uh, these, uh, one of the actions that uh, were, uh, were done in response to the trial at the time of the trial uh, was uh, Lena Pashankova's work. Uh, what, uh, what it says, uh, it says, there could be your democracy here. and uh, This is uh, right in front of uh, Savion and Spilled Blood, a central cathedral in St. Petersburg. And uh, she's wearing all the attributes of of the Pussy Riot group, um, and uh, well, the uh, the line in the bottom says uh, for um, recreation of the reputation of Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, the other action, um, the other very striking and impressive action that that was taken, uh, like actually across the street from this place, and uh, approximately at the same time, uh, was. Um, Piotr Pavelyansky action when he uh, literally sews his mouth, like with a needle and mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and thread. So uh, and um, laboratory of poetic actionism. Uh, they, uh, their work is not um, as um, uh, as radical as that, uh, but um, in the um, in the composition. Do you want to see two films or do you want to see one film? What do you want to see? How many? Two films. You don't even know whether they're good (laughs) or bad. (laughs) Two is better than one. (laughs) We're in line now. Okay. Okay, so let me show you the two. Hope. So uh, this film uh, is based. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, this film is based on the text of Sibel Nikrasov, Moscow conceptualist. Uh, and concrete and minimalist poet as, as well uh, his book of his poems was recently t- uh, translated by Ansley Morris, but uh, it was not published yet uh, so um, what it um, works with uh, is the uh, lack of um, lack of representation uh, and uh, well let me. I have to give you a little bit of the context uh, about the Laboratory of Political Actionism. How they became famous? They created uh, one of the slogans for the protest movement, um, for the parliamentary election protest movement, and uh, the slogan is, даже не представляете," which both means in Russian uh, "You don't represent us as the." Uh, absence of uh, representational democracy in Russia. And uh, you cannot even imagine us, like, there are much more of us than um, you can think of. Uh, so uh, this, uh, this video deals with, with the same topic, uh, but it takes uh, the text of uh, the Moscow Conceptualist uh, to address the present-day political issues. So, this is the documentation of the installation that uh, took place in the forest uh, not far from, uh, from St. Petersburg. And that again um, traces us back to the collective actions of the Moscow conceptualists that would always take place in, in, uh, in the forest. Yeah. So, here is the video. Made, like this uh, collective action slogan. they would also have slogans uh, attached to, to, to the two trees. that are put together by the poets, all the expressions dealing with not recognizing, not knowing That feel? The, uh, did that feel that you recognize this expression? Did they feel as uh, expression that you hear every day, but that are kind of um, like uh, thrown, that are thrown at you? Or hmm? Hmm? no, you d- you didn't? Because uh, to me, it's like the words that you hear every day in uh, in the street that that um, um, well, one the work that. Um, that Всеволод Никраса does is also uh, called uh, concrete uh, concrete poetry at uh, some of the works that he does are uh, uh, called concrete poems so that seems to be a very concrete uh, representation of, of language which talks about lack of representation <laughs> at the same time. Do you still want the second video of, of this group? <laughs> You're a very good audience! <laughs> to see all (laughs) that. Okay, Uh, so the next one is called uh, Dotted Composition, and um, it is the text by um, Andrey Monastyrsky, and his Dotted Composition, these are fragments, it it is not the whole Dotted Composition. And um, it was interesting, actually, that when the artists created uh, this work, they were working uh, kind of intuitively, they were—they uh, called this uh, psychogeographical research. This—this. Uh, this, let me show it and talk. Because no one is standing online there really, so it's not going to be hilariously funny. <laughs> <laughs> So some of these shots are St. Petersburg, and some of these shots are France, actually. Even though you would assume that it all looks very much, very much St. Petersburg. Uh, so what what they are doing here? They are uh, collecting. Uh, oh, let me move forward a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. This is a good idea. Let's Thank
2: you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good. Is it better? That's better. Yeah. Good. <laughs>
1: uh, so, w- um, what what is happening here is by uh, means of uh, video eye uh, as compared to the. Kino Eye of Dzikovertov, of they're collecting uh, the poem uh, in the uh, landscape uh, of the city. And dotted would mean uh, these empty spaces from one, uh, from one line uh, to another line. Um, but uh, if you, uh, well, uh, if we remember again collective actions um, by, uh, by Moscow conceptualists, they would often do uh, a piece that was sent out in the world and uh, was meant to create this mystic experience of, uh, of a passerby by uh, encountering it. So uh, if you imagine the experience that um, that uh, a viewer might have uh, finding, uh, finding this line somewhere on the uh, on the wall or on the pavement of the city that addresses to to, to the same thing. And um, the uh, laboratory of poetic actionism—they didn't even know that uh, Andrei Monastyrsky, uh, when he was first presenting his um, dotted line composition, uh, he uh, was reading the text to ten artists, and ten artists were given uh, sheets of paper, and each one of them was asked to draw uh, what, what he is hearing, and uh, even though they didn't know that, they uh, created, uh, created the same sort of uh, experience, and they were working with the, same, uh, with the same notion. Yeah, this is France now. can experience something that uh, Prigov calls uh, multi-video or, um, as Boris Groys argues, that epoch-making achievement of conceptualist art was to demonstrate the equivalence or at least parallelism between language and image, between the order of words and the order of things, the grammar of language and the grammar of visual space. So the Laboratory of Poetic Action is my writing on installation space of the city as on a piece of paper and uh, animated this piece uh, these pieces of city by means of by means of video. I told you there's gonna be a long video. (laughs) It's hard to rhyme there too, translate the rhyme. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's rhyme, and it's like folk uh, kind of language. It has uh, this folk proverbial taste to it. Yeah, it has rhythm. Mm Жизнь на исходе Музыка кончается, язык заплетается это? Now that you had so much experience of uh, <laughs> material reality, uh, I'm going to draw you uh, to something less material than that. And uh, I'm going to be talking about a project of Ivan uh, Hymen, which is called Asceticism. Uh, asceticism. Um, can anyone guess why is it called Asceticism? Is Asceticism? Aesthetic? Uh? This is also true, but can be taken as an answer. Does it has to do with ASCII. It has to do with ASCII, absolutely. Uh, is ASCII like a programming? Uh, ASCII is a universal code uh, for all the uh, Latin, Latin symbols, and also uh, all the question marks and like dots and dashes and uh, yeah. ASCII code, ASCII code. And um, well, what ASCII code also was, uh, it prompted ASCII art. Has anyone heard of ASCII art?
2: Hmm?
1: ASCII art, uh, it was a movement in 80s, 90s, when the uh, computer programmers or the first media artists were making pictures out of ASCII, ASCII characters. Mm-hmm. Really elaborate pictures like portraits uh, or like Mona Lisa as you can imagine was very popular ASCII <laughs> character uh, well um, and uh, one part of this is ASCII and uh, you can see it uh, the ASCII characters here and the other part is uh, asceticism the English word asceticism um, so uh, what, uh, what is implied, uh, what, uh, what work uh, Ivan, uh, Ivan Hyman does is rematerial, rematerialization of the media. Uh, he takes the image, uh, or he actually takes the language uh, from the computer screen and puts it back on acrylic canvas. So here are the, the examples. Uh, but um, his aim is not to work uh, with a um, with representational uh, language, but to uh, to disconnect, to dismantle, to uh, disrupt uh, the uh, the language to this minimal atomic uh, particles that uh, that comprise it. And um, if we if we see letters, if we see, if we see signs, we would ex- uh, we would expect the message. But uh, this signs uh, usually uh, appear when you open the page in the wrong coding. So it uh, gives the, the feeling that there is a right encoding, uh, encoding to read that, but in fact there isn't. Um, so uh, the, the other work that he does, and uh, here I'm showing pieces uh, from the uh, collaborative Performance that Vanessa Place and Ivan Himan did together uh, in January this year. So, uh, is anyone here familiar with Vanessa Place's work? <laughs> uh, can anyone guess uh, what what piece has been uh, separated or like worked with in this piece? Do, do you remember Vanessa? Which which was that? From this, I think I do. Yeah, I think I know. It's. Does anyone else? Have any ideas? Is it the vagina piece? Um this is the vagina piece. <laughs> 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 but that was a good <laughs> <laughs> But that was a good guess. <laughs> that looks much more like the vagina man. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that was the scum, <laughs> uh, scum manifesto. Uh scum
3: manifesto. Mm-hmm.
1: And this is this is the vagina piece. Uh so uh what, what has been done here the text edit, um the text edit uh, was uh uh Editor was used, and the Perl programming language to mingle uh, the the text, Vanessa's text that was fed, and um, Vanessa was reading, and then simultaneously the printer was printing, doing the printing job, and we had a uh, a camera that was filming it, and a projection uh, projection on a screen uh, behind. Well, um, so. Uh, here I demonstrated several uh, technologies, uh, so-called technologies of uh, conceptualism that uh, that are uh, being practiced uh, in um, in modern uh, Saint Petersburg. One of them is video. The other uh, one of them would be computation, computational poetry, or rematerializing of of the media. Uh, video is used for the a purpose of uh, estrangement or decontextualizing uh, the work or it can also be used uh as a mean of uh, social um social uh, dis uh disobedience or social protest so I probably I'll probably leave it here and would uh, allow you to ask questions or comments or... If people have questions... Oh, they do. Never mind,
4: I'll be quiet.
3: I don't know anything about Moscow conceptualism,
1: and mm-hmm. I don't know why it happens in the forest. Can you give me a few lines? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, the, most trivial, uh, the most trivial answer why it happens in the forest would be, uh, well, uh, how would you think the officials would, uh, would they be happy to see uh, art uh, written on the official slogans? No, they would be very unhappy and uh well, the reason for uh, that was the reason why they would go to the forests <laughs> yeah. uh, there they 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 had to be hidden and well certainly they conceptualized it and uh, uh explained it as uh, as uh, as in enlarging or pushing the limits of art practice and uh doing this con- uh, concept- uh, conceptualist gesture of uh, like living art or, uh, or combining art and living, and this is something Prigov was extremely good at. Like he was always doing art, and he was always living. And
3: uh, what period, or is it now, or? Oh uh, no 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 no
1: no! It's it's uh, no way now. It's seventies, eighties.
4: Let me. Can I just jump in for a second? Because I think as a as a foreigner mm-hmm. to this, uh, there were ser- certain things that helped me understand. I think mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit, which was and I was seeing it here too, is that one of the things that I noticed that was very important in all avant-garde practices that I've, well, let's say from the conceptualism on from the seventies on, is that there's almost always a tie back or a reference back to a previous avant-garde practice. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that the work has sort of a hand in the future and a hand in the past. And also one of the thing and, and there's always a paradox and the paradox is never resolved within the work and that seems to be part mm-hmm. of it and one of the things with Moscow conceptualism is that well two things one is that there's a play in the seventies with Moscow conceptualism there's always this sort of uh, play between something that would critique a spirit of collectivity and at the same time embrace a spirit of collectivity yes. So it's not one over the other, one disavowing, there's a tension that's always maintained in the work. So I found that to be uh, very useful. And one of the things that I noticed in all of these pieces is that, and again the paradox shouldn't be resolved, oh before I forget, one of the things I think is a backdrop to remember is that in the Soviet, there was this idea that everyone should be an artist, but like everybody should be everything, mm-hmm. everybody should mm-hmm. also be an artist. Mm-hmm. So that that living life and doing art were not distinct because one was no more rarefied than the other. The other thing to remember from a non-Western, uh, European-American perspective is there was no art market. Mm-hmm. There was nobody buying art. So you made art as part of a, an artistic life, not because you could make money off of
0: it. And,
4: uh, something that
1: we also were discussing uh, a lot uh, back in St. Petersburg was that the state itself uh, was part of this uh, conceptual project. If you look at the reality, it was, uh, you know, very scarce, very chosen there were much fewer objects uh, surrounding a Soviet person than, than, than you have they were very well uh, carefully chosen so th- that is also that is also the case so like conceptualists uh, uh, Moscow conceptualists were working with the reality that has been conceptualized before
4: right because the whole society is the whole society is allegorical. Um, Mm -hmm. so everything you're working with has been, uh, Natalia explained it to me really beautifully, she took me out to eat Soviet pastries. (laughs) Um, Soviet pastries are not the most delicious pastries. This is the whole point though of the Soviet pastry, is that she explained it, they're good enough. Like the idea was to find something that was good enough to satisfy the sort of, what was it, what did you say, like the acceptable Mm -hmm. minimum. Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and that was Soviet pastries, the acceptable minimum, yes. like Walmart. Well, well, except for this was this was everybody. Nobody should want more than the acceptable minimum because that was fair for everyone. Yes. So you're living in a curated society, and you're curating within a curated society. And one of the things that I was thinking, particularly, I've seen the videos twice. The um, the uh, now I'm forgetting the name of the, the group. the no, um, laboratory, laboratory, laboratory Production. Uh, I've seen those videos twice. One of the things that I didn't notice the first time but I was really thinking about this time is the difference between graffiti in Saint Petersburg and graffiti in Paris is that when we see graffiti, we see a lot of graffiti. In Paris you see a lot of graffiti. In Petersburg there's no graffiti really. It no, gets it gets taken away very quickly. Yes. And so the the thing that you wouldn't the thing that would that's ephemeral is the fact that it's there, versus in Paris, the thing that's ephemeral is you're paying attention to it. You
2: know? when, when we were there in 89, we met Prigoff. And one of the things that he did when he greeted us was to hand everyone an, an envelope in which there were words, which he pulled out and threw into the air. So it was all about this <laughs> ephemerality. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There was very vivid sense of what was important to him. The, other, the question I want to ask is whether um, the Moscow group was informed or interested in both French situationist practices mm-hmm. or, the, or the letterist movement, because they seem to be I'm almost sure they knew, knew,
1: they knew nothing about letterism. This is like, I'm, I'm almost positive about that. But
2: situationism. Uh, situation to seems to be, uh, um,
1: I don't remember reading anywhere that they were familiar with that, but it makes sense. It does, yeah. Yeah. It seems very familiar.
4: It's interesting, again, from kind of the outside perspective, when I look at, like, Komar melamids projects mm-hmm. from the 1970s, I'm thinking of the Super Objects for Super People, which okay. was a catalog of faux luxury items mm-hmm. you could buy, and it was like tongue rings, but there were big rings you would put at the end of your tongue with a big ball in the middle. And it had, they had, um, or there was a head mass that you could lock and mm-hmm. things like that. <laughs> and with this very hyperbolic mm-hmm. descriptions but what I realized when I was looking at them was there was always again this sort of tension between there, it was very difficult to read them as either being ironic as they were ironic clearly but they could be taken as I as an ironic indictment of capitalism or they could be taken as an ironic indictment of the Soviet mm-hmm. they serve both both functions in mm-hmm. a way and um I'm sorry. Oh, well, yeah, well, well, one of the reasons why
1: I was also showing this uh is what uh, what Vanessa is saying uh, is that this seems to be uh, this moment when uh conceptualist um, when the conceptualist project is working with the Soviet reality right and critiquing. Uh, the socialism, and at the same time, it, it it is almost about like they are standing to consume. They are standing there to consume something, right? Uh, it's almost there to critique the capitalism. What uh, what is uh, well done a lot by uh, by also laboratory by uh, the uh, action. Yeah,
4: and one of the things that I found so fascinating when I was there last, this is going to just fall. You can um, just take it out. Yeah, right. let's, right. let's just take it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. there we go. That's, That's right. a great idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I found so fascinating is again, and I've said this before, I felt that things should be much more legible than they were. They were kind of legible, but not quite. And part of this was, as I had a in, in conversation with, um, I can't remember his name, but the publisher, uh, done. Skidon, um, was that you know the difference between the United States and Russia was that Russia there was this idea that there was a kind of disappointment there was this idea that this could have been mm-hmm. this great social experiment mm-hmm. and so there's the, no, there was, was a, the Soviet Union, the, the the Soviet 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 Union was and could have been this great social experiment and it had somehow gone wrong versus I think in the United States, especially from an avant-garde perspective, there's this never this feeling of oh, it could have been great and it wasn't. It's always been, oh, it's terrible and it's always been terrible. And and essentially we're, we're founded on a capitalist system and so we're bad, you know, and I mean, it's just, we have, I think, a much more simplistic, in some senses, political stance as presumptively leftist members of the avant-garde in the sense of not, it's, I don't know how much uh, we deal with this this longing and critique being kind of all mixed into the, together. One of the things also I wanted to mention before I forgot is that I see this coming through with a lot of it with the technology plays that mm-hmm. same. There's a bit of nostalgia mm-hmm. and also there's a critique of technology. Technology is always historicized in these works. It's not presented as, oh, it's this is new, and so mm-hmm. in a lot of the uh, American conceptual conceptualism that embraces technology, it's almost like this sort of weird end of history Mm -hmm. view that, oh, well, now we're in the digital. And I think that a lot of this work is basically also works to remind us that, well, at one point, we were in the film, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so that this is yet another historical turn that needs to be historically, that needs to be looked at in kind of a dialectical uh, historical, historical, materialist lens, as opposed to being the latest shiny new thing mm-hmm. that now we can use to make stuff. Yes, I would. Uh, no, no, please, please. I just wanted to to agree and say that
1: uh, the uh, technology is uh, definitely looked at from uh, from the historic uh, historic perspective and. Uh, the fact that it's looked uh, from hi- the historic perspective makes it visible, right? We can see it. And this is another uh, conceptualist move.
5: Yeah, I guess, I mean, I, it's it, on similar lines, when I think about conceptualism, I think about Moscow conceptualism. Mm-hmm. I think about this. That's thing.
1: why I was talking about Leningrad conceptualism. Yeah, that was no, the it's, reason it's, why. I'm
5: so glad you've, you've done this because this is so terrific. Um, uh, and I think about that late Soviet. Um, Period. I can interrupt
1: you um, a second. If anyone, if you know anyone who wants to research this, it's like it's there in Berlin, waiting for researchers.
5: Well, I mean, so part of my question is, um, so there's this discovery of the archive mm-hmm. of Leningrad conceptualism, and it mm-hmm. seems like there's a certain amount of referencing going on. I mean, this film that you showed us, the Q, mm-hmm. is directly referencing Sorok and and his, his yes, the Q. Yes, 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 um, absolutely. Yeah. Which is a novel that was what seventy
1: nine or something. Yes, like that. So this is done a decade later. Um, but actually, he he never mentions. It. In his um, Van email, he he doesn't mention Sarokin in his no. writing about about this piece, but, come on. but yeah, it, it, it is impossible yeah. that he didn't know that, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean everyone
5: knew it, and it was it was done abroad. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, so there's there's that referencing, mm-hmm. but I'm also wondering whether why why suddenly again conceptualism in this Putin moment and this yeah. in this you know already into the post-Soviet mm-hmm. moment. It's um, you know, sure. There, it's been going all along, and people like people have been doing their thing. But what um, what is it about mm-hmm. society today? Is it is it ripe for the same kind of irony, or is it yeah. is it totally new movement that just isn't kind of,
4: Yeah Well, I think what this is, and this is where my interest in the global comes in. I think for mm-hmm. me is because I think there's a kind of Venn diagram, and sometimes we come from different parts of the places in the circle, but then there's this overlap, and in Notes on Conceptualism, I wrote that all conceptual writing is allegorical. And I think allegory is allegorical meaning not in a kind of medieval sense of, oh, there's this grand narrative that it's referencing, but it's referencing something outside the text itself. It's always refer- it's always gesturing outside of itself, outside of the surface of what's mm-hmm. happening. And I think that in any time you have one of two things, the time is right for allegory. One is any kind of repressive, any kind of repressive environment then of course you want the allegory because the allegory lets you say things that you can't say. Um, And then I think also with, in the United States, it's from the opposite side. There's absolutely nothing you can't say. And so instead of yet articulating Mm -hmm. over and over again in a kind of polemical sense which can only, not only, runs the risk so often of being uh, again sort of hyper-ironized or, didactic or something like that, to actually have the thing stand for an, an outside allegory, to have the thing be capable of interpretation and and uh, manipulation by the people encountering the thing, uh, from, from an American perspective, ends up being the one gesture that isn't individualistic, that isn't inscribed in a kind of American ideology of, the primacy of the, the the individual as the preeminent capitalist unit.
5: But if I could just push it a little bit further, mm-hmm. I mean that, that Perestroika moment is almost the opposite of what's going on now. It was things were opening up mm-hmm. and it's this um, kind of vomiting out of all of these narratives mm-hmm. that had been fed and all of these icons that had been fed to the Soviet mm-hmm. people for you know so many years. Um, whereas now there's this new repression. So it's a very different moment in terms of
1: repression versus freedom, and of course the American yeah. is a third. Yeah, but uh, in, in both these moments there were this uh, the, this feeling of repression, this feeling of familiar something, uh, something familiar and annoying is, uh, is there and present. like. Uh, the uh, Leningrad, uh, Leningrad conceptualists were working with uh, with, the, with the Soviet uh, metaphors and realities and uh, and everything. And uh, now we have these new mechanisms of oppression that are being being worked with. And Vanessa was saying about allegory, bit, um, uh, w- which w- which is certainly true. Uh, but I was also thinking that. Um, like the uh the mechanism the strategies that state uses to um, to create this new uh totalitarian new totalitarian regime uh, if you just take them like we, we were discussing this pussy riot trial if you, if you just look at that out of this court context uh, that would be enough to do well to at least question the uh the, the well, policy
4: or not i mean I think that's for me that's actually the thing that conceptualism can do is that i don't what I'm doing, let me, let me reverse engineer it, if the idea is that uh, if the idea is that one values the human subject, for example, then, to my mind, one has to be a bit absolutist about it. So if I present, for example, my own work, if I present a statement of a rape case, if somebody reads that and is horrified, that's one that's one response, a legitimate ethical response. If somebody reads that and is turned on, I don't get to say, "Oh no, you're not allowed to have that response. If I actually believe in a kind of of um, that the human subjectivity is what that what makes it valuable is not that it's all like me or it's all like the way I would have people be so I think for me the the reiteration of these things basically holds a mirror up to the person encountering the work and says, you will see yourself for the kind of person you are. That's not my job. My job isn't to tell you what kind of person to be. Your job is to confront the kind of person you are. So if you show the Pussy Riot trial and you are offended and feel whatever, or if you feel they got what they deserved, now you know the kind of subject you are.
6: um, So, I don't really know how to ask my question, but.
1: um, I'll skip anyways. uh,
6: We'll uh, see what happens. But it seems like there's not. Crap, sorry, brain's kind of trying to like. Try Um, it again. So, my interest is with the conversation that, say, an artist has with whoever is viewing whatever, you know, whether it's like a monument set up or whether it's a piece of graffiti or like. The questioning, like whatever it is that, um, whether it's like a single or collaborative effort, towards it's like some kind of a political message through the means of like the literary text or like a piece on a canvas. Like I'm just curious, like how do you interact a conversation or an ongoing conversation with the viewers or the users of whatever like literary or video or poetic piece? That, I don't know how to like ask that. Like, like how do you keep I guess, like, what I'm trying to ask is, how do you inspire, like, say, for example, if you have a piece of graffiti, and you're like, oh, okay, this is, like, a political message within the piece of graffiti, like, how do you enact other people to also, like, not necessarily, like, go out and graffiti stuff, too, but also, like, I don't know how to, like, how do you, like, use the feedback that your audience, or the question, uh, but I, sorry, I, I, don't know I think, think we understand. Mm. Yeah,
1: thanks. Okay. I don't know or, how well, uh, let me first uh, clarify uh, what what it was. It, it when uh, there were some pieces of graffiti shown, but the work was not. Uh, uh, well, I mean, you you can uh, call it uh, what it uh, what it is at this point, a piece of graffiti, but uh, originally it was uh, way too. Uh, disassemble and then reassemble the poem. Uh, so, uh, if you were asking about uh, the borders of the work of art, so the the border would be uh, the frame of uh, of the video camera and uh, the uh, the the page of the text that that has been um, that has been written on the wall. Um, so that that is to address one part of your question, and. Um, I think uh, the second part of your question, like what, what is the interaction with the reader, uh, that, uh, that was something that Vanessa has just uh, answered, right? Uh, uh, this is, um, so this is some kind of message uh, that uh, is more or less neutral. And uh, what, what it does, uh, it uh, probably tells something about you but um I would agree and disagree with, with what 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 is what was said yes, but what a laboratory of political actionism uh, rec- uh would expect people to to do with the messages that they are giving them um it would rather be um an attempt uh to uh, to gather political force uh in in this or that way rather than uh, something...
4: Some which, I mean, which is which is it's interesting to me. I mean, in a kind of crude stereotype way, I would say that that would be more of a Russian impulse than yes. a radical yes, American yes, yes. individual impulse that would be my inscription of my ideology. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that for me, and, and I'm not representative necessarily, uh, and I think there are people who are more interested in... Uh, curating specific messages than I am. I'm affirmatively uninterested in that. I don't want to do that. And in fact I would say that I, I am... This conversation, in terms of my work and an audience, is immaterial to me. My point would be that if any conversation should take place, it takes place this way. It takes place between people who encounter the work and deciding what they want to do with that. So, that's one part. I also think that some of these things, and I think this was illustrated by a lot of the examples, were that, wait, I have a, I have a second thought that I have to do first. My second thought I have to do first is, is that, you know, one of the things that Natalia was showing is uh, different forms of what one could call video poetry, so, or video poetics, especially your work, mm-hmm. where, and that there are genre defining marks. So there's a video component and there has to be poetry. It's so these are these are works that have their own medium in a way. Okay. So that said so in other words, there's a difference between the video of the writing seen as framed as portrayed on the street and our pretending like we're not watching a video but we're actually walking down the street and seeing the thing right written. So there's two different pieces. So the video is like looking at the poem on the page. The walking down the street experience, if that was a separate experience, would be, I think, a great example of maybe what Smithson would call site and non-site specific Mm -hmm. art. So it does matter that it's in St. Petersburg or Paris, but yet it could be moved someplace else. And then the meaning would change, right? That's why I think the conversation doesn't happen this way, but happens this way, because these works are very carefully, to my mind, and all works really are, it's just they're putting it out front, historically, geographically, and technologically framed, so that you have to encounter them, like right here, right now, and make of them what you will, right here, right now, because it'll change.
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
4: if you come back and look at it in 10 years, it will have a different meaning
5: labor my earlier question just another step further so when I sure. asked you about you know why now why again mm-hmm. um, I was half expecting the answer to be that it has to do with nostalgia I mean I, I sort of I guess I saw earlier conceptualism as in part a critique of nostal- of a particular kind of nostalgia and that that nostalgia is maybe coming back at least in the Soviet context mm-hmm. and I wonder if there's any of that going no, on in, uh, in the like American context too a, a certain kind of
1: mm-hmm.
5: sentimentalism mm-hmm. that's being critiqued
1: Mm-mm. Uh, I explain why because people who are doing this they are in uh, in their mid twenties, mid early twenties. They they don't have any. No, Soviet I don't nostalgia. Mean, I, no no no, not
5: not their nostalgia. Uh-huh. But there is a. I mean, wouldn't you agree that there is a, a renewed Soviet nostalgia? Yes, in I would definitely agree with
1: that. And uh, this neo Marxism and uh, the left movement, I mean, uh, like what we what would uh, an intellectual uh, in the. The return of the national anthem. Maybe? Yes, um, yes, the, the return of the national... Uh, what, uh, what I was trying to say is that um, like the, uh, the whole attitude to Marx has changed in the like, last 10 years. If you say uh, Marx to an um, intellectual in the 90s, well, <laughs> he would laugh at your face. Uh, well, I'll explain why, too. Because uh, in the Soviet Union, whenever you write uh, a piece of thought, you would have to quote either to pull a quote either from Marx or from Lenin. So in every textbook and every article, in every everything, you would have a quote from either Marx, Lenin, or Engels. And if you don't have it, it's not going to get published. So let's say people were kind of a little bit tired of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would. <laughs>
4: Oh. We had the same thing with French theorists. <laughs> <laughs> Still do. Saying, if it doesn't have sixer and it, it doesn't sell. Um, it's, not <laughs> it's not a combat. It's it not a It doesn't heavy. fly. But, but I think no, and I would say with American conceptualism now, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's interesting. Everything is always like more complicated than it should be, but absolutely I would say that there's a critique of the lyric subject. There's a critique of um, the enterprise of the epiphany there's a critique of the poetic turn there's a critique of, of, of language there's a critique of language poetry I mean part of what it is is that I and I say we're in a conceptualist age because I, I know that because we're reacting to postmodernism you know we don't have a problem with modernism we have a problem with postmodernism, because everybody has the problem with the right before, not, not the one before them. So I think that that, yes, absolutely. If you look at it, it's, there's that, that immediate generational uh, pushback. And what's interesting to me is I would say even now, there's people doing conceptual work where they're it using hyperbolic subjects, because their, criti- their problem is with people like me. Yeah, so they only want to talk about themselves, but which is all fine because I think that that is what kind of keeps practice and poetics and things like that interesting. When I discovered Komar and Melamid, mm-hmm. I thought I had found I had found like a little toy box. I started stealing stuff like <laughs> crazy, because in part no one here knew was very familiar with their work, so I could steal like crazy. But also because in an interesting, ahistorical, historical way, a lot of what they were doing felt very relevant to the United States now. Yeah.
5: Well, then they started doing
0: American
5: critiques. Yeah.
1: The Reagan. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, sure. So it's rather rethinking than uh, yeah. nostalgia. Like I still mm-hmm. cannot agree with this nostalgia. Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, sorry, just to go back. Uh, I guess to kind of rephrase. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, mean to be repeating myself, but are um,
1: oh, you kind of the,
6: My apologies. Uh, two of the things that I forgot to bring up when I was asking my question was that there was an instance in like the early 20th century where um, I don't remember the exact dates, but the story goes that um, this rich guy paid all these kids to paint this word. Was it snob? Some I don't remember what English word it was, but they hired these kids to go paint this word. And they went and, like, graffitied this word or whatever all over London, and what ended up happening was that people started, like, discussing about it. Like, oh my god, what is this word? Like, what is, like, why is it appearing everywhere? And they couldn't figure it out, and so all these people were like, oh, well, you know, it must be, like, something that, like, rich people are trying to do to, like, screw us over. But long story short, that event um, caused a commotion where people started discussing, like, why is this particular word or this particular word in the graffiti form appearing? And they also, the second example that I wanted to bring up is that um, in the V for Vendetta movie, there's like a scene where everybody's wearing the mask or whatever, and like uh, the little girl or something like that, she gets shot because she's like spray painting something. Um, so, with those two examples in mind, what I'm interested in is how do you create art that makes other people want to create art as well, especially within youthful communities, especially within lower income communities where people aren't able to actually like go to school and learn these fancy terms and be able to be within a network of intellectuals. No, like, I'm just curious, like how do you get people to the same level that you guys are at without having to go through the college? You give
1: them the algorithm. That's yeah, what Pussy Riot is doing. Uh, what, so what they're saying is that everyone is Pussy Riot, right? Everyone who wears this mask, the bright dress, and the uh, bright tights is a Pussy Riot. So, uh, they, and they are legitimizing any practice uh, done with, uh, with their algorithm and with, with their methods. So how you involve other people, you give them a simple, and repeatable, uh, easy repeatable method. So
6: how do you share that, or like how do you, okay, you, gonna you that? Okay, I'm going to give you
4: the answer motivation. that will make you hate me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the answer that will make you hate me is I don't. That's not my job. My job is not to tell people to go out and spread the good word of art. My job is not to tell people to, that they should think like me, that they should be like me. My job is simply to do what I do. If people want to go do their own thing, they'll, they'll figure it out. I have, no, I have no lack of faith in people's ability to figure it out. But, but I do think that, that perhaps we're asking the wrong question. I don't think art is obligated to do anything. I think art exists as a thing that people can use to do stuff. So it's not, the thing is, is that what, when you walk around and you see things to, to have the idea that, oh, I too could do things, then I think that people do uh, realize that the, these, are, these are possible. Obviously, they do. It's just, so it's not the function, the function of art is actually to not be functional, <laughs> is my point. There's many, of th- many things in the world are functional. Many things in the world make money. To me, what's nice is that there exists something like poetry, which in a way, its only function is to say, listen to this language, stop for a second and think. The only function for art is to say, stop for a second and look, and think. You do what you will with that, but that's its only job. You know, if you, (laughs) was it, Louis Mayer from the old uh, uh, MGM Studios, because if you want to send a message, you can send a telegram. (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. My my job isn't that. That's somebody else's job.
1: I just wanted to make a brief comment uh, that uh, the uh, wh- wh- what you were saying obviously reflects uh, the lack of uh, collectivity imprinted <laughs> imprinted in your mind. But that, that, that is not uh, the case for uh, the groups that practice conceptualism in Russia Russian language. It's all about collectivity and engaging more and more people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, someone wanted to ask a question? Or
3: I don't know. Um, something that addresses Amelia's question and, um, mm-hmm. that I think about a lot is this um, This moment at the end of the 80s, you know, at that part of the turn of the century versus this part of the turn of the century, um, which they seem... To me, they seem very mirrored. Um, And in my own work, I'm working with stuff from that period because it seems to be speaking about this period a lot. Um, And it's this um, relationship of the construction of the producer-consumer. And that, um, I mean, I was in, I was in, I was in Czechoslovakia at the time of the Velvet Revolution and, and, and noticing that there was a really sharp distinction, and this is, I know, quite different, from, but there was a really sharp distinction between producer and consumer, um, or at least politically, and um, that, that there was, there was an idea that the producer and the consumer, the, con, the producer was no better than the consumer Whereas in other places there was an idea of a hierarchy of producer consumer, and here again with social media and acts, you know, Web 2.0 or whatever, this thing that's happening, um, and the what, biggest, yeah, this, yeah, this this service economy that um, we are producer consumers, um, and it's it's a, a critique of the notion of subject object,
4: um, well, but, but in, in neoliberalist, yeah. but um, I would say that that context. is the conceptualist turn. Currently, now too is this idea of the subject, that there is no separation, that we're both kind of formed. And Ber- Berardi, I don't know if people are familiar with Franco Berardi's work, he writes a lot about, he's a little bit of a crackpot, but but he does have a, a point where he talks about the age of capitalism we're now in is the age of semi-capitalism. We're, we're, we're trading is semiotics. We're trading signs and signifiers. And so in that way, I would say the the anti-individualist ideology embedded, and this is why these things are always these interesting Venn diagrams. In American conceptualism often is this idea of why should I speak for people who are obviously speaking for themselves on Twitter and Facebook, all over, all over the internet. So instead of me going in and ventriloquizing or rephrasing, I can just represent the language of people directly so I think that and and at the same time we're still participating in this sort of semiotic play which is the focus of semiotic capitalism most elegantly demonstrated in something like Facebook which takes your information your language that you voluntarily give them you want to give them because your cultural capital increases with with your engagement and turns it into another form of economic exchange in different parts that again we willingly participate in because there is something in it for us. So, as opposed to this top down exploitive notion, it's a much more complicated and inflected notion of we are the signs that we're trading exactly. and are being traded. Mm-hmm. Which is in
3: the new no, a new ish notion of, colli- of, of collectivity. It or is, or it, a, but a, this a, is a p- why p- I
4: say yeah. we have many things in common and yeah. many things not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: We've done our time.
3: Yeah, I (laughs) think. Do you have anything to sell?
1: There (laughs) was a difference, and now we're going to sell it. This right? That was really interesting. Yeah. Thank <laughs> 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 we I more And have um, here <laughs> is my... Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. so you. Thank you. I Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so back. Yeah. yeah, I got it. <laughs> great to meet you. I'm
2: going
1: to try to present all over you
6: guys. Yeah.
1: That was great. <laughs>
6: that was amazing.
1: Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> I'm glad you to a long time. I hope you come back. I think I will come back very soon. Good! Especially the people I love here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's what's the fun showing? uh, Well, (laughs) well, this work that I was showing is not really.